1: We're back for another episode of Keevit. I can't wait to talk about Black Panther with Kara and Lewis. But later in the show, I will be joined by Los Angeles Times reporter Travel Anderson, and we'll have a discussion about diversity in entertainment journalism. I want to thank Kara for being here. Oh, hey. And um, Frederick Douglass is sitting in for oh, he is, yeah. Lewis this week. Hi, girl. All right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That was my Freddie impression. Nice Frederick Douglass mask. Mm -hmm. Can I I also say- You got away with it.
0: We're recording today on Rihanna's birthday. AKA the real President's Day.
1: Speaking of President's Day, though, there was this meme going around, which is a definite keep it. I'm doing it very early. I'll have more stuff to say keep it to later. But did you see the meme going around that said, on President's Day, we're celebrating the other 44 presidents and not the 45th one?
2: And I get the sentiment, but... Oh, like they were flawless. Like, oh yeah, Warren Harding. Definitely want him up at my holidays. <laughs> Andrew Jackson. Let's, let's, let's
1: celebrate the yeah. slave-owning 9-11
2: right. yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go with celebrating three. I'm going to go with George Abraham and Barry.
2: And Gina Davis on the show Commander-in-Chief, which was on in Ooh, 2005. Yeah. And maybe
0: Fitz. Mm-hmm. He was terrible, but I, you know.
2: You know, I'm glad
1: he came back.
0: Oh, yeah, and scan- we're, talking scandal we're talking about Scandal right now.
1: Olivia's out of her goddamn mind. Olivia anyway, loves we <laughs> cannot start talking about Scandal because we have so many other black excellent things Some other black to queens into. to talk about. Um, I mean, before we even get into Black Panther, one of my favorite queens, Janelle Monae, yes. is back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's back. She teased Dirty Computer, her new album. And she also is on the cover of W Magazine, styled by Jordan Peele, because they did covers by three of the people who were nominated for Best Director Oscars. And she's she loves a suit. Loves a menswear look. She's in menswear. It's noir. And I kind of wish it were a movie.
0: I'm not sure about the title of this album, I gotta say. Dirty Computer? Dirty, because I'm like, I don't understand. It is does it, seem
2: to be quintessentially her, though. It like Sounds like a Justin Timberlake song. Well, like Sensual Cyborg <laughs> is, is her it, brand.
0: Great, but uh, is it... Is the computer like smudged? Is the <laughs> is the hard drive dirty? I don't understand like that is not a phrase I'm familiar with. Yeah, a you dirty want, computer. You
2: want Windex. You wanna like what's wrong I with it? I don't understand. Yeah. I don't
0: understand. I'm sure it'll be great. I just It'll make sense. Right now I don't get it. Yeah,
2: you know.
1: But just, she's
0: the future, so it's on you know, I'm the dum dumb who doesn't understand what's about to be happening.
1: It's fine. She's gorgeous. I just wanted to stand her briefly before we jump into All right, Black Panther. It's here. <sighs> We've seen yeah. it. If you have not seen Black Panther yet, then you might want to jump ahead to avoid spoilers. I saw it with Kara. Yeah. My second time seeing it. That was my we went time, together yeah. Friday night in our best Wakandan gear. Uh, Ch- um,
0: Chadwick was there. Yeah. Ryan Kugler uh, Coog- was there. It was
1: The Princess Amunda was there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Everyone was dressed up. It was like the most it honestly like not to Because I feel like people are talking about Black Panther and superlatives and it it does warrant them. But the last time I saw that many happy black people had to be when Barack Obama was elected. Black people have not been that thrilled for anything since then. Like people were dressed up and everyone was so excited and taking pictures. And it was like just it was I don't know. I've not. It's Barack Obama and Black Panther at this point.
1: It was beautiful. It just felt like a moment. Mm -hmm. it's funny because i was asked recently in an interview about why this was so big and like people were you know coming out in these outfits and everything and i'm like why people do it all the time
0: all the time star wars you invented dressing up for this shit (laughs) i'm pretty sure you're the first ones who were dropping thousands of dollars for like some quote-unquote real superman suit and it's like it's not real so it's the accuracy doesn't really matter when this person is fake. They've right. been they've been doing this forever, and
1: there are great black cosplayers all the time that you see at Comic Con and stuff. But it was nice to see people, you know, who don't even probably don't even know what cosplay is, just being like, <laughs> I'm dressing up in my best Wakandan garb. They wanted to look great, and it was regal. fun. The movie itself is amazing.
2: I, I would say it's well. the first superhero movie I've seen that after it's over seems to vibrate off you and the way because there's such a feel to the movie, a vibe if you will. I felt like there's <laughs> like a, a dichotomy. It's at it once constantly intense and then also there's a constant sensitivity about it. Mm-hmm. So it just feels like its own very specific world and I feel like in that way it Succeeds where I thought Wonder Woman failed, which was the world they come from. Wakanda is so well established. I thought the world where Wonder Woman came from felt like a computer game where, you know, women are like doing Xena cosplay everywhere. (laughs) You know, this feels like its own specific, lived in, well filmed universe. I just, I can't compare it to anything else other than the Together Again video by Janet Jackson. I have no comparison. (laughs) I have no comparison.
0: It it felt like a culture. Yeah. Like a culture that you sort of immediately even understood.
1: And epic, you know, it felt very watching the original Star Wars and feeling like this is a movement, something's happening. It felt like watching The Matrix back when it came out. It was like, I've never seen this shit before. yeah. And it it was great. And I agree with you about the Wonder Woman thing because my chief complaint with that movie was the fact that they left Themyscira. Yes. Like, I, I wanted to, I loved the fact that Black Panther Except for you know the opening scenes, you know, in the UK where we're introduced to Killmonger, and then the scene where they have to go and retrieve the vibranium in South, South Korea. Korea, we stayed in Wakanda. Mm-hmm. You know, it was showing you how the entire world that Coogler created for the movie could function by itself, and you didn't need to be like a action movie where you are zipping around. The world. I mean, it felt realer than movies that are set in New York and film in New York, and like you can see like bits Mm -hmm. of New York and everything. It's like they just made it feel like a real country. Yeah. And I
2: want to say the cinematography specifically is a triumph, and the woman responsible for it is Rachel Morrison, who is the first ever female Oscar nominee for cinematography for Mudbound this year. So maybe she should be president. If she doesn't win for Mudbound, like she needs. This movie needs nominations. Also, can you... Like, the way Get
1: Out got nominations.
0: Can you believe that when you actually have diversity in filmmaking, it begets more diversity? Like, wow, the black man actually hired a woman. Funny how that works. You don't have to, like, create 13 programs to... Interject women and people of color into shit. If you actually just hire them to do jobs, it turns out they'll hire other non-white dudes. I need more breaking. I need more proof.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And also
1: gas. Rachel is white too. Yeah. Like, and she did the damn thing, and she did it on Mudbound. Like, I don't know who this white woman is, like running around making all these black people look great (laughs) in movies. Uh, But
2: this Julie Bowen and jumping the broom, (laughs) showing up with her white antics,
0: and they looked unbelievable.
2: Great. I mean, Lapita
0: looked like a snack. She just was glowing. She I was like this is the most beautiful woman living on this planet right now.
2: Truly, what was the last movie where not only was there a black ensemble, but I would say between 5 and 10 of the characters are individually iconic. You know, like given mm-hmm. specific like they're cohesive as characters, they all belong in the same universe, but they also are just each one of them is a different kind of like, you know, American gladiator sized, you know, huge iconic look down to Angela Bassett, you ugh. know,
1: who doesn't even get to, she doesn't even have much to say, but she just <laughs> is regal and yeah. you feel it, you know, with like every scene she's in, she just sort of imbues with, ugh, and when she took off those bri- oh my head, God, the headdress, and you saw her white, white dreads? Yes.
0: ah. It was. It was almost honestly during that movie. It was at times. It was too much. I was like, "Don't give me anymore. I can't. I can't handle." And
1: Michael this. B. Jordan taking off his shirt. Uh, Chadwick taking off. I'm like, T- Winston Duke. Um,
2: <laughs> right. Everybody, every Everyone man, every unbelievable. woman, believable. Were you surprised by the way that? Black Panther, the character, basically ceded the movie to supporting characters for a time. Like, he disappears for a while. And
0: women. Yeah. Like, can I just say also, they're really the only ones in that movie who were really helping everybody out. Like, he beat Killmonger mainly because he had, like, four bad bitches who were actually doing their jobs and, like, kicking everyone's ass.
1: When... Deny was like, (laughs) oh my god, she she confronted Daniel Kaluuya, like that uh, rhino, yeah, that
0: giant dino rhino thing.
1: You would kill me, my love.
0: (laughs) Yeah, bitch, (laughs) easily.
1: He's great in it. I, I, I didn't think I liked Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out, but I feel like he really popped Mm -hmm. in this movie. Yeah, he like bulked up. He was. Because Get Out was more of like he was playing, you know, like the lead in
2: like a slasher movie. You know, he's basically
1: just running around. The Mia
2: Farrow and Rosemary's baby. He's like the sort of cipher through which we see the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But Mm
1: -hmm. in this, he was a character. Yeah. I
0: was very disappointed in him. The whole time, I just kept saying, Daniel, I am so disappointed in you. I don't know what the hell
1: you think you were doing. Making bad choices. Making
0: (laughs) terrible choices. (laughs) Just like he did in Get Out. I was like, you in the woods with those white people? right like you're going with this dude homie <laughs> it's like Daniel you need to you need to get it together
1: what else and then a woman say. got you together yes. in the end I think there were more women with speaking roles in this movie than there have been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe in general
2: <laughs> I can't think of another one that would compete
1: there were no Lupita was no Natalie Portman in Thor she was even mm-hmm. more lively than like a pepper pot like Gwyneth was in the Iron Man movie it's like She was doing her own damn thing in the beginning of the movie, liberating kidnapped women and boys put into like war. And Chadwick fucked (laughs) it. Black Panther fucked it up for her. (laughs) I love that she's doing her own thing. Letitia Wright, we didn't
2: even talk about Uh how good she is. She may as well have just thrown a pile of headshots at the audience because she is going to book and book and book after (laughs) this. Everything about her was addictive. She had like just that contagious, gregarious. Comedy energy that so didn't funny. feel too comic reliefy. It felt like it belonged, and it was social with those people in a particular way. It was She's super the cool.
0: Smartest person there. Mm-hmm. She was the smartest person yeah. we saw. On it
2: screen. was nice seeing a young
1: black woman mm-hmm. who was, you know, smart, funny, joking around with her older brother. Mm-hmm. You know, it just felt ugh, it fixing
0: was, fixing white boys. There's
1: no misery in the movie.
0: No, right? No, it
1: was. And they even gave the white audience a little something, something. And if you stayed till the end credits and saw Bucky come out, you know, in his African robe, yeah, finally fixed after um, yeah. Captain America's Civil War, I was like, you know, Sebastian Stan can get it too.
0: But that's <laughs> the, but that's the whole thing, right? Because that was one of the narratives behind Black Panther, where they're like, are white people gonna go see black people do things, and like, are other people like? overseas, as if there aren't black people, by the way, outside of the United States. First of all, our
1: screening was full of white people. Our
0: (laughs) movie was full of white people. And so the whole. Getting their lives. Loving it. So it's like, yeah, if it's a good movie, people will go enjoy the movie. And also, it was marketed properly. So that's one of the other things where, like, there was an incredible marketing push behind Black Panther. So, like, when you're putting money into it, you're investing in it being successful. Crazy how it actually ends up being successful. Made a shit
1: ton of money globally, which, if you're talking about Black Panther, you know, respect to 20 years ago, Blade came out, which was great, and starred Wesley Snipes. And he said in a recent interview um, with Aisha Harris on Slate... Just about the fact that even back then, you know, the executives were shocked that it was so big overseas, like in Japan and everything. And I'm like, people want to see this shit. I'm like, first of all, people are wearing black shit everywhere. Also,
0: have you ever been like the NBA in China is like one of the most popular things happening. Like these random ass basketball players in the United States can go to China and they're the biggest celebrities. So the idea that like the rest of the world isn't down with black shit as if like Anytime I feel like I'm out of the country and it's just like people asking about, like, do you know Beyonce? It's like, no, guy. I mean, I wish. But like it feels ahistorical. It's like there's no anecdotes really to support that. And like how many times do we have to put this on a project to be like, well, this is going to be the one that proves that like black people or women can sell movie tickets and be successful.
1: Great. And um, it's 2018. Like you need a bigger push for movies beyond just a trailer yeah, and that, you know, you need to get people excited to see it. I mean, I mean,
0: Girls Trip had a crazy push and the movie did really well. Like, it's not a coincidence that marketing works.
1: Right. And whereas Moonlight did bigger than Call Me By Your Name, which is doing kind of poorly in theaters because Sony... I don't think they put anything behind it. Nor did they like target the LGBT being, yeah. audience enough. People they didn't, aren't being you know. excited for this movie. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's bizarrely annoying. Like All of my gay friends only care about that movie, basically, this year. And yet, still, it feels like Carly Rae Jepsen's emotion. It didn't go beyond <laughs> the WeHo sphere.
1: <laughs> is there anything else to say about Black Panther? I, the music, me, by the way, is so
2: propulsive great. and specific to the movie. And again, adds to the feeling of there's a specific feel to this movie again i can't think of another superhero movie like the dark knight had some grit to it you know (laughs) thor ragnarok had a kind of zany comic energy but this to me is coasting on its own sort of mouthfeel and you know verve
1: each character felt real too yes killmonger felt as real as t'challa in motivation It had a lot to say about black culture and history.
0: You can also tell, which, you know, it's sort of the twice as good to get half as much. Like, clearly everyone involved in this movie was like, this has to be incredible. There's so much writing. They will never make a black superhero movie again if Black Panther had not done well. And I feel like you can tell everyone rolled up to that. Like, every PA rolled up to that movie. Like, oh, shit, we're going to do the best possible job we can do with everything. Kendrick was like, I'm going to do the best possible job with this soundtrack that I can do and everyone really cared and knew that like they had to bring it for this movie to be successful and and you can feel that hard work and that care for the project I feel like in every component
1: definitely lastly I just feel like I read a bit about this for the Daily Beast but I feel like what I loved in the movie is the discussion between black Americans and black Africans and I like that conversation, Mm -hmm. and I hope we keep having it, Mm -hmm. and the perfect movie to do that for is Storm, (laughs) because she is part Nigerian and part American, so let's make it happen. Can I root for Carmen Ajogo in that movie? To play her? I would say yes to that. Is she too light? How does she look? (laughs) Uh, I, I really need a dark skin store. She's like a black. brown skin. Your yeah, brown yeah. skin. You know? By the way, I, I was wanna... thinking
2: like Tiana Paris. Ooh. Or, that'd be... mm-hmm. Um It's hard because you need somebody who's not already in the superhero universe, right? You want to yeah. bring somebody new in, yeah. Right, because the <laughs> actress in um Atlanta.
1: Oh yeah. She's playing Domino in Deadpool, so it's like, you know, you need to find someone who hasn't been scooped up already. What I also loved about the film and all of the turnout is that a group called the Electoral Justice Project, which is an arm of the Movement for Black Lives organization, it got people registered to vote at screenings of the movie, Brilliant. which black people are showing up in droves. Mm-hmm. Why not also use this movie, you know, to be like an extra fuck you to trump and the gop come 2018
0: black people and then sensible white people who went and saw the movie (laughs) like that's who we need voting
2: (laughs) also for some reason that didn't naturally occur to me it's like yeah these people are like supercharged to be here and feeling empowered why wouldn't you register to vote there that's exactly what i would feel like doing there you know
1: because the biggest problem that it comes with voting particularly like in the black community is that there's always this sense of powerlessness and like I remember that trying to get people to register for the 2016 election um you know this idea that your vote won't matter that there's a corrupt system and looking at the entirety of mm-hmm. Trump's administration they weren't wrong like. you know like flagrant shit happens every day and nobody does anything about it so how do you empower voters when it feels like the president can commit crimes daily and the GOP, Paul Ryan, aren't going to hold him responsible. You get people energized and wanting to harness their power. And I think that having people register to vote at this movie in a moment where, you know, just black people were feeling good about themselves yeah. and their representation and, and kind of what poli- they can do in the future.
0: And it's kind of a political movie. The movie so is it's about politics. Know, yeah, it, it all it's about synergy. How we're,
1: it's about how we're all... One as black yeah. people, you know, and we need to go. The Wakanda there.
2: National Congress. Somebody should run on that ticket. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel Dalazal is already oh, drafting. Out. She's trying to get a lunch date in Wakanda right now. Getting it should be illegal
0: to even say her name during February.
2: Uh, she booked a plane ticket to
1: Wakanda and, 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 <laughs> and, at the airport. And, and the airport was like, you know what, girl, we'll take your money. <laughs> <laughs> she is
2: still at LAX waiting. <laughs> oh, you know what? I should add what I think one of the coolest things about this movie is a lot of the dialogue is about this black culture talking about how should we harness our power and use it? It's just like a cool, awesome Relevant conversation, should we be isolationist, should we share, you know, it's, anyway.
1: And it's people having conversations in an action movie instead of just dumb dialogue that, you know, could be plopped into any superhero movie and
2: you wouldn't be able to you tell could have by the sound looking off. at the script. Yeah. yeah. You could
0: have the sound off in Thor and be like, I get what's happening Yeah. in this movie.
2: By the way, I'd like to reiterate that I hate superhero movies. For me to be this effusive <laughs> is very telling, and I, it almost shouldn't be recorded. I feel so incriminated liking something, well, a movie we, like this. <laughs> we also
0: told Lewis he had to love
1: Black Panther. <laughs> right. Uh <laughs> We We wouldn't have allowed anything else. Lewis just wants to watch Ordinary People
2: on loop for (laughs) eternity. And also- That's your version of The Good Place. Oh my God. (laughs) Every week I come here with my dignity and I leave (laughs) shattered. (laughs) When we come back, speaking of shattered
1: dignity, Fergie. Keep It is brought to you by Barefoot Dreams. Lewis? Yes? Yes? Fergie Ferg, what's happening, baby? Um, (laughs) T-A-S-T-E-Y. Do you remember when Fergie spelled tasty that way? (laughs) Wait, how did she spell it? It...
2: T-A-S-T-E-Y in Fergalicious.
1: The song goes T to the A to the S-T-E-Y, girl you tasty. Oh no. So Fergie's back in the news (laughs) because she sang the national anthem (laughs) at the NBA All-Star Game and it was a sight.
0: yeah. It was something. <laughs> Whoa, say,
1: so, at first, it starts out you know, she's she's giving you a little Billie
2: Holiday. Then she's giving you Eartha a Kit has so been impaled.
3: <laughs> at the twi- oh.
1: She goes in. Oh, Lord.
3: This
0: accent she suddenly adopted. I think
1: it's still her accent from nine. Okay, that's enough.
0: Can I say, hearing it in these headphones is so much more painful. (laughs) Like, that hurt me just
2: now. She... I don't know. Um, well, first of all, it's like a very real display of that particular Fergie, I'll call it sexuality, which is just, <laughs> she's always been like half pop star, half Kirstie Alley, just like a blowsy <laughs> dame. And like she's the Tamworth of a parody of a film noir. Yes. Yeah. It's also, there's like a weird raw Linda Hamilton quality to her too. Just no one is like her. But that doesn't mean it's always right. And I can't, it's just like, we've never thought of her as a balladeer before. You know, Big Girls Don't Cry isn't much of a the a, a is, vocal. You know? I think someone wrote online that the problem isn't that Fergie can't sing,
1: is that she has no taste. Yeah. No. Because you, I'm listening to that, I'm like, the, she, I've heard her sing, she can sing, but for some reason she decided that this, um, Jessica
0: Rabbit Ass Boogie like, Woogie tradition. Bugle Boy
1: Whale <laughs> was appropriate. I don't know how Trump and Taffeta Lauren weren't tweeting immediately because honestly, this feels worse than kneeling during the national anthem.
0: I don't understand how she even got there because more than one person heard her do that before she got up there and did it. Like, there is a group of people aware that she was going to go up and do exactly that.
1: Did she bait and switch?
0: I don't think so. She There's footage of her rehearsing. Yeah, they had she to arrange it. That. They had to arrange it. There's a bunch of people who knew that that was going to happen. And the fact that no one stepped in, not that it's not her fault. I mean, it's all, you know, she did this to herself. But I am wondering how no one else said, I don't know, girl, maybe try it another way.
2: Right. Maybe you're not Marvin Gaye.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot of questioning, too, about sort of, what's happening to Fergie lately in the wake of her divorce from Josh Dumal. But I would
2: posit that this is the Fergie we've always had. Yes. No, she's been, I think you just nailed it, like pretty tacky. Let's think about the Black Eyed Peas for a second. I believe that music was a series of kazoos and jackhammers <laughs> that we propelled to number one every time. I mean, you want to talk about a precursor to Trump, there it is, right there. Because you know it's what? pure noise. I was
1: in West Hollywood on Sunday, and Let's Get It Started played. And you know what? I was. You should be slapped I, to the I, floor. I, I was into it. I was very into it.
0: Very into it?
1: You know what? I like the Black Eyed Peas. I'm going to go on record I, as you know liking what? the Black Eyed Peas music, but I largely, I feel like, hate some of their bigger singles. Like
0: It, it has not aged well. Their music has not aged well. Because I, too...
1: I oh mean, no! They I'll... have to play the edited version of "Let's Get It Started" because the album version is called "Let's Get Retarded."
3: It's
2: it's such an offense. It's horrible. <laughs> they also, by that the was way, okay. In
1: do you know what else we thought
2: was okay? Just to be clear, this is a woman who was on a kids television show in the '80s. Her name is Stacy Ferguson. Kids Incorporated. it. This is somebody who has sung lyrics: "Them chickens jockin' my style." <laughs> We just thought of course. I'm Duh f- Fergie, you can do that.
1: <laughs> she I was rewatching clips of her wailing to a Rolling Stones song on Good Morning America doing one handed flips on the stage at eight in the fucking morning. Like this is the Fergie we have
2: always had. Guys, you must see this clip of her doing today's show cartwheels you've never seen anything <laughs> like it unless you have a toddler because it is wild
1: also do you remember her crashing the trevor project live no months
2: like how many a few day lives ago, did she accidentally run
1: army hammer was talking and she just showed up at the podium and took it from him and started doing this weird like call me by your name joke where she said I'm Army Hammer, and like was calling him Fergie. And then she talked about Tom Ford, who was being honored at the gala and started telling people to buy the target version of her latest album, Double Duchess.
4: Oh
0: you know what, Fergie, girl? You can call me. We'll get some Rose, and we will talk. <laughs> we will have a chat. Because you need it. Clearly. Do you watch
1: Scandal, Fergie? Like yeah, we can have like, a we can have a Scandal and Pasta
2: night. And
0: like no judgment. I'll make you some pasta, but we we have some things to talk about. Clearly,
2: I do like her recent single. You already know with Nicki Minaj. I thought that was a tight song. <laughs> and also, of course, barely a song. Like everything Fergie's yeah. ever done.
1: Honestly, her solo music has aged better than the Black Eyed Peas. Yeah, you know,
2: glamorous. Big girls don't cry. It's still bops. You know who loves mm-hmm. glamorous straight women. I'm telling you, that is their car <laughs> jam. <laughs> Ask any of them. You
0: got one right here. That's what I'm saying. Okay.
2: Am I right? Straight women. Sure. <laughs> you have a tear in your eye. I yeah. can see it. Straight women, if you
1: love the song Glamorous, go to straightwomenloveglamorous.com slash keep it. <laughs> <laughs> when we're back, more Omarosa.
4: Did you ever sleep with him? With who? Well, hell no. Oh my God, Brandy, that's a horrible. Apparently a lot of girls do. Well, I'm not. Now there is somebody in the way who's sleeping around with everybody, but she
5: is not me. No, okay. I've never had to do that. No, but I, I've i been told
0: when I was on Apprentice that, that a few girls prior to well, my tell season, me who. I don't know.
4: Oh, you know the scoop, Brandy. Wait, hold on. That Celebrity Apprentice contestants slept with... But you've never heard my name, tell the truth, never. No. Ever. <laughs> no, but he seems to like you so much, I was just wondering. God, no. Oh, I'm just, ratings go, that's why. Yeah. People throw that out when they don't have anything left else to attack you for. You know what I mean? When you're friends with a guy and you're close and you hear, oh, they must be. Right. But I mean, like, just his reputation in that oh. situation. God, that is disgusting.
1: Kara, I know you love so much when we talk about Omarosa on this show. <laughs> yeah. But Celebrity Big Brother is still going on. Mm, and keep it? it, fans demand it.
0: Do
1: they? Maybe. <laughs> L- I know Lewis and I are still watching Celebrity Big Brother. I literally Big have Brother. a
2: frozen giant grin on my face. <laughs> Getting ready for this.
1: Lewis, you're still watching Celebrity Big Brother. I'm a human being, aren't I? Yeah, yes, of course it's, I am. For some reason, Omarosa is still in the house.
2: She How many was, are left? What, seven. seven but now they're doing the thing where they eliminate two per episode because it's such an abbreviated run. She was up on the block against Keisha
1: knight Pulliam and- Keisha, who is a single mom, asked everyone to vote her out because her breast milk was depleted and she needed to get home to feed her child. She didn't know that was going to happen. I am pretty sure CBS deposited a nice check into her Chase account, and it was like, you need to leave. I hate We're this. not losing Omarosa. There's
2: no way this. Omarosa should still be in the house. It really feels... I, I'm now thinking back to the first week in which magically they drew a chip and Omarosa got immunity You know, for a week. Like They need this. She is what makes this a moment, not just She's a waste of space. She's the are watching. Didn't yeah.
0: Keisha know... Like the breastfeeding thing, you knew you left your child. There was a, that you wouldn't right, be able to breastfeed pumping, your child from the house. She was
1: pumping, and I guess they were delivering the milk to her baby.
0: Yeah. So what changed?
1: She said that she started losing her milk.
0: What? Listen, I mean, okay, I've never breastfed, but that doesn't sound sound <laughs> <laughs> to me.
1: Sounds about as sound as an asthma attack where you, <laughs> <coughs> I'm back. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, Omarosa continued to spill tea about the White House because she is goosing us all up for that memoir. She talked about how Mike Pence is worse than Trump because he thinks Jesus speaks to him. And then there was a moment where Brandy Glanville asked her point blank
2: if she ever slept with Trump. I'm now thinking about Celebrity Apprentice contestants sleeping with him. Say it isn't so Sharon Osbourne. Get off him. Latoya Jackson. yeah <laughs> what did you do? Nadia each, don't do it.
0: Oh, God. What a mess. <laughs> what the hell is this? Are
2: you riveted?
0: I'm something. Also, can I say, her initial denial did not sound very real. I was like, the huh?
1: What? Oh, you're
0: crazy, Brandy. I was like, <laughs> I don't know, girl. That doesn't sound that convincing.
1: I also love how she said that, That's the first insult people go to when they don't have anything else to say. While she was like, I'm not sleeping with Trump, but there is somebody (laughs) fucking everybody in the White House and she's not me. and specified, it's a she. So,
0: Also, that's not the first insult people throw at Omarosa. I mean, crazy, conniving, a liar. There is a long dark list Stacey of things. Black, start, yeah. Dark
1: Stacy Dash. There's
0: a long <laughs> list of insults we can get to before maybe slept with Donald Trump.
1: <laughs> I'm, by the way- Because al- no one thinks about that. No. I don't want to think about Donald Trump touching anybody. Right.
2: I'm sick to death of people treating her sound bites as if they are- notable or insightful, she truly sounds like she is wikiing the Trump White House to come (laughs) up with takes. She's like, well, Mike Pence is bad, and also, uh, you won't believe this, there are other bad people there. What I'm
1: loving (laughs) is the fact that each soundbite is like running on Us Weekly, it's running on MSNBC, like Omarosa says, Mike Pence is bad, it's like, these are things that people tweet.
2: Yeah. Or say at like a dinner party.
1: You it's, know, it's not I new wake up information. in the morning
0: and say Mike Pence sucks. That's just I immediately am awake in the morning. That's the first. Right. It's I like care. a vitamin. Yeah. Oh,
1: well, Adam Griffin, thank you for joining us this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's I don't know. I'm loving how
0: much more is left of this. She
2: has less than a week. Less <sighs> than a week.
0: What's the prize? Like, what do you get when you win this?
2: I think we won already, oh, just God. existing. Yeah. Um. You know what I will say, though? Again, if we're talking a gameplay angle. So she had to nominate people because she was the head of household or whatever. And she threw off the entire house by purposely winking at a contestant she had no alliance with. And that made everybody believe that she was arranging some P.T. Barnum-like spectacle behind their backs. And that was pretty exciting because Omarosa also just loves that shit. That's what she's doing. Yeah, right. I can't wait for the memoir. We are going to do a dramatic
1: reading of the entire thing on this show.
0: Yeah, we'll see about that.
1: Calamity (laughs) Apprentice—that's the name of the book. Kara will kill me. (laughs) Keep it is coming up next.
4: Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue
1: And our favorite part of the week is here. It's Keep It. Kara, why don't you go first?
0: So my Keep It, I'm going to stay on theme. Black Panther came out and Chris Brown tweeted something. And he said something like, congratulations on Black Panther. And included a picture of him photoshopped as Black Panther. Also he's wearing sunglasses. So I was like I feel like you don't understand how this costume works cuz I don't know how you're getting that mask on with sunglasses. <laughs> but it's hard to even continue to talk about Chris Brown cuz it's just What
1: is he on lately? Didn't he recently wise, didn't he or... recently oh, tweet okay. at Bruno Mars, Beyonce, and Rihanna, and say us together would be a dope concert.
0: Two for one, as if he's comparable. What he is saying is he is a comparable substitute for Bruno Mars, if it's like a two for one situation. He, I mean, obviously he's not always well, but that in particular, it was like he hadn't even seen the movie. Why are you, you're congratulating someone on Black Panther by putting yourself in Black Panther? It's like, so that's not the movie, dude. You're not congratulating Chadwick. Who are you congratulating? Yourself? on photoshopping yourself into a black panther outfit and it was confusing and he tires me
2: i would love to just tweet people out of my league like wouldn't it be fun if we all hang out like justin timberlake tweeting at like john lennon paul mccartney george harrison yeah.
1: hey guys the four of us <laughs> justin timberlake tweeting at the nsync
2: members at this point yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lewis i read buzzfeed all the time but my keep it this week is to buzzfeed uh they had this quiz about the new queer eye which queer eye member are you ira and i wrote the premiere of the new we love the episode we saw it was really fabulous like all the new cast members and then full disclosure my friend Jonathan is the hair guy on this show and he did Gay of Thrones on Funny or Die if you remember that I was on an episode anyway all right if you get Jonathan Christina Million with the promo <laughs> keep it moving you know what I say about Christina Million? Christina Brilliant moving on <laughs> no one says that well here we go <laughs> if you take this quiz and you get Jonathan who's the you know kind of sassy hair gay, Part of the description for him says, you know, you have a wonderful personality. It might not be for everybody, but you know what I'm done with? People telling gay people whose personalities are palatable for everybody else. It reminds me of every time you read a comedy review of someone like Amy Schumer or Kathy Griffin or something. There's always like a caveat, might not be for everyone. What you actually mean is it might put off straight men. And it's coded language and it's disgusting. And I've spent my whole life sussing this shit out. And you really need to fucking watch it because it is super offensive and gross. So uh, thanks, and by the way, Jonathan fucking rules on that show. So
0: he is great.
2: I love him, and the internet loves Anthony, who has a symmetrical smile, and I believe that got him the gig. Yeah, I say that affectionately. He also makes guac. I also make guac, and have no skills, so that's <laughs> shocking. My keep it
1: is as the Black Panther weekend was happening, and we were all celebrating. I also want to remind people that. While the Trump administration has been dodging, um, you know, all this Rob Porter drama and everything else happening, they've also been slowly, like, rolling back and dismantling LGBT health initiatives. And I think we've all, you know, gotten over the fact that Trump pretended he was, like, the most LGBT friendly, because that's what he always does. I'm the least collusive with Russia. (laughs) Um, But, you know, he has just slowly been hiring anti-LGBT people to run, you know, his health administration. And I think that the people who always get affected by this end up being LGBT people of color and trans women and trans women of color. And I just would like for our gay organizations like the HRC and GLAD. I know that they, you know, usually only do things that, rich white people want them to do when they give a bunch of money um they the fair or they're very excited about britney spears showing up to their gala and that's what they tweet about all the time or how cute gus kent worthy looks at the olympics this week but i would really love them in this year in this era to, you know to start focusing on getting people of color and trans people on their boards and actually start doing something for a lot of our communities i know glad actually does you know a bit more than the HRC does but that visibility isn't there and when people of color don't think of these groups as being for them they think that the only place they can get help you know is like the local LGBT center I think something's wrong there and I think we need to be a lot more vocal about how this stuff is affecting people and that's it what? No nothing. That was just true, yeah, I
2: was no, like, was very true. I'm yeah, not going to was... add a quip to that yeah no <laughs>
1: I can be serious prof- sometimes.
2: I mean, don't do it again, but yeah. yeah.
1: Never. I'm that was go- it.
0: That was <laughs> your one moment of sincerity.
1: <laughs> this has been Keep It. Thank you, Kara. Thank you, Lewis, for being here again. I guess Black History Month's almost over. We have and you, one more, right? We have one more week and I guarantee Lewis will not be here. <laughs>
2: I've set up traps. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a wily e. coyote, like Martin Freeman in Wakanda, I hold on. <laughs> we'll see you next week.
1: We're gearing up for Oscar season, so joining me today is Travel Anderson, a reporter from the LA Times, and we're going to talk a bit about diversity in entertainment journalism. We are here at Oprah's Legends Ball <laughs> with LA Times reporter Travel Anderson. Hello, darling. How are you?
5: I'm good. How about yourself? Thank you
1: for coming on in. I feel great. <laughs> Wonderful. Oscar season is... Is Mm. here We're in the middle of it I'm so ready for it to be over
5: Are you? Yeah, because it's longer this year than normal Because of the Olympics, messing things up
1: That's right, they extended it a week
5: Yes, that week matters
1: (laughs) So tell me a bit about reporting during this season Especially working at the LA Times You're here in the thick of it.
5: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, diversity is the name of the game. It's been the name of the game for the last few years. And mm-hmm. so, and that's my thing, that's my area of expertise, I guess. And so, we're paying attention to what storylines may pop up out of the awards show and the entire season. You know, Me Too has been having a moment. Get Out and Lady Bird seem to be representative of a, a future that we all want in Hollywood. And so it's interesting, you know, just on these carpets, trying to look fabulous, trying to do a fabulous job. Um, it's a mess. And but you
1: always look great on the carpet. You know, I try. Sometimes a heel. <laughs>
5: you know, always <laughs> a heel, okay? Because we don't play and the picture has to be popping.
1: Tell me a bit what that's been like for you reporting on the red carpet you know
5: obviously just being you Mm -hmm. you know yeah well you know it's interesting because there aren't many black folk period on the carpet at all um like literally like either on my side where the press are or the other side (laughs) where the the talent is and so it's been interesting over the last few years just to see at least on the talent side it become a more diverse space Mm -hmm. um but as far as me doing my job like it's it's interesting. It's one of those things where it ends up being a benefit because people remember that, you know, black person with the lipstick and the fingernails and the mm-hmm. big hair um, from the L.A. Times. And so it helps me in terms of getting people to stop, you know. Right. I'll, so
1: they they may remember you from when they talked to you before. Exactly.
5: So I'll see them, you know, at the Golden Globes or at the SAG Awards earlier in the season. And then they'll see me again at mm-hmm. these other award shows in between. And it becomes and an builds a, a little bit of a relationship throughout award season that mm-hmm. really helps in terms of coverage.
1: But as you said, there's really not a lot happening on the other side of yeah. the carpet. You know, I remember that conversation, it was after the Globes mm-hmm. where a reporter asked Sterling K. Brown about diversity mm-hmm. in the newsroom and diversity of black people reporting on other black people. Yeah. And there was even another reporter who contacted Darren Chris on social media right, because she right. wasn't invited to the American crime story Versace right, um, right. event. Are you noticing things like that where you just feel, you know, like you're the only one there? You feel like I guess you work at the LA Times, so well, the, the access is probably there because you are
5: Right. I'm lucky I don't I have immense privilege to work at, you know, the LA Times and, you know, when I call or when I send an email, I get a response, right? Mm-hmm. However, you know, we're also kind of having this conversation out of Sundance where there are very few black people in the rooms, mm-hmm. but like there's a lot of diversity on screen. And so it's this question of, we're having this diversity moment in the industry, but the people who are commenting on it aren't diverse themselves. And so you have a lot of reporters and a lot of journalists of a variety of stripes. Some work for you know minority or niche type publications, some do not, mm-hmm. um, but everyone's asking the question, what is next in this diversity conversation i think representation in terms of our newsrooms is part of that conversation so it's it's interesting for me like i said i don't have the access issues but I do have issues that someone who does have access issues might have. And so what I mean by that is like, so at Sundance, you know, I'm standing in a line. We're waiting to go into a movie theater. And, you know, I'm the only black person in line. There's a lot of white people in front of me and a lot of black people behind me. They start letting us in the theater and we have our badges or whatever the case may be, right? And they're letting everybody in through. They're not, they're like just glancing at the badges. I get stopped. Mm-hmm. Um, No one else got stopped. I don't know why I got stopped. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be a variety of different reasons, right? But what we do know is that there's an expectation of the type of person that has the type of access that I have, Mm -hmm. and I don't represent that, right? When I walk into a particular room to do an interview, the celebrity, no matter what their race is or who they are, they're always surprised to see me walk through the door. Partly because, you know, I'm black, but also partly because I'm so fabulous I (laughs) usually have on a heel and my nails are done and all this other stuff. And so it's like... Begging the question of what do we believe journalists should look like Mm -hmm. um, and why we feel
1: that way. Exactly. No, I've even run into some of that because my access has changed depending on where I've been. Mm -hmm. You know, because I've been at the Daily Beast, Mm -hmm. I've been at New York Magazine and MTV and BuzzFeed. So it's, I've (laughs) seen how you're treated at different places, right? Depending which outlet you're working at. And I've definitely experienced that same thing. I remember I think I interviewed Diddy for something once <laughs> and he was like, I was, was a string of white people coming in didn't expect <laughs> to see you. But Why? seriously, yeah. though, and
5: th- there, there are a number of celebrities, particularly those of color who you see on their face kind of the breath of fresh air you end up being when the people that they're interviewing aren't. Uh, Or that are are interviewing them, rather, don't look like them. And when they're doing that in a long press day and you walk in the door, it changes the interview. It changes their energy, and, like, that's a benefit that I think newsrooms should be looking at when it comes to who they're employing, particularly on staff but also on the freelance spaces, to do these types of things.
1: So big movie this week, Black Panther, just came out. And what did you notice about... The Black Panther rollout. Because you would expect that there would be beaucoup de black journalists there because it's Black Panther. Mm -hmm. There's so much diversity Mm -hmm. on screen. Everyone is pushing the fact that there's Africans, African Americans, Mm -hmm. you know, there's Ryan Coogler directing, there's black people
5: behind the scenes working. And then... (laughs) I will say this. The premiere, I I was graced the opportunity to attend the wonderful premiere. Um, Yeah, we don't have to talk about it. Sorry about it. (laughs) Um, But the press line for the premiere was a lot more diverse than press lines have been in the past. Mm -hmm. But a lot of those outlets that were invited to the press line weren't given tickets to the premiere. So like they were invited to cover the premiere, but you couldn't come in to see the movie. Mm. Um, And then the press day, which was the day after the premiere, one of the two press days after the premiere, when I arrived at about 1 o'clock, I didn't see any black people, you know, yeah. waiting in the little media center at the hotel they were doing the press room at. So I think we've seen a lot of coverage coming about Black Panther from a lot Mm -hmm. of these, you know, Black girl nerds type organizations and outlets and things Mm -hmm. like that. I'm unsure of what their actual access has been like. I don't know if they've been able to get to talk to the stars, right? Right. Have you been able to talk to Michael B. Jordan and Chadwick Boseman and Ryan Coogler? Or are they throwing you no shade, but those no-name folk that are in the background? Um, Just to say that they, you know, let the Black people at the table to do an interview. Like, I I had a a Black reporter, who like dm'd me cuz she was trying to get credentials to come to mm-hmm. the the premiere to cover the carpet um we're good friends we went to school together and she's like hey like are you in conversation with uh marvel folks about this film like I want to cover the premiere and I was like well yeah I'm in conversation with them she's like I, I can't get them to respond to me I can't get them to respond to an email we eventually were able to work it out um, mm-hmm. because I know some of the people at the studio I'm like hey respond to this girl's email like, even mm-hmm. if you're going to tell her no respond yeah. to the email but that's the thing a lot of people just can't even get an email response mm-hmm. um, let alone get actual access to cover these things that they should be able to
1: and that ties into how People perceive discussions around films happening during Oscar season. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Sundance, uh, and there's Venice and mm-hmm. Tribeca, and all sorts of other festivals where films like "A Three Billboards" will mm. air, will screen, and people may love it, you know. And then when people of color get the opportunity to see it, mm-hmm. they might not like it, and somehow it's described as backlash when right. it's. No, I I just saw the film. I just
5: got time. I just got access to cover this film. It reminds me of when um, Nate Parker's The Birth of a Nation premiered at Sundance. Listen, if black
1: people had seen that movie, (laughs) there wouldn't have been this whole multi-million dollar sale. Exactly. People being, you know, exalting Nate Parker. Mm -hmm. And then this great fall because of the rape case. Because I was like, you know what, I'm still going to go see this movie. So, I can write about it. I went to see it at the, because I wasn't invited to a screening, probably because at that <laughs> point it was a disaster. But, you know, I went to see it at a Little Theater in Silver Lake on opening day. I walked out of that theater like, what did yeah. I just watch?
5: I did the exact same thing. And I was like, this is how you know that there weren't any, or and if there were some, there weren't enough. People of color, black folk in particular, in this screening with the access to this screening to say, actually, this isn't as good as you all are trying to make it out to be for X, Y, Z reasons.
1: Right, because someone I won't mention um, (laughs) has, you know, I think a live journal blog about films, talked about how she was confused about the sort of racial conversation happening with Three Billboards, Mm -hmm. specifically because... Two African-American critics associations named it their best films of the year. Mm -hmm. And not even getting into the issue of... Which black critics are in that? Mm -hmm. Uh, What's the generation gap between them? Because, you know, younger people might see a film differently the way older people are. What are the access of the people in that film's critics association? Because Detroit was also on that list. Mm -hmm. So it's like, are they the type of people who want to rock the boat? Are they the type of people who want to pick a film that they think, you know, is going to get Oscar accolades? Right. And it's a little, it's a balance of that, right?
5: Like you want and i hate to say this but oftentimes when you are at If you think a, a
1: film is going to be number 1 right
5: you want to say that you had that film also on your list of top films and you want to say that, hey, we gave this person an award before the Oscars gave that person an award. Mm-hmm. And to be clear, I think Frances McDormand does a great job in the She's film. amazing. The film itself, however, is questionable for yeah. a number of reasons. And I think that's, uh, to your point, there's this interplay and there's this conversation happening right now about, you know, these films and what they mean and who's being able to see them. And the importance is having a a diversity of people being able to see these films, not just the folks who are in certain black critics organizations, because like you said, that's a certain type of black person, that's a certain mm-hmm. type of black critic who has a certain type of access, or has, who has been in the industry for a certain length right. of time.
1: You've either been in the industry or you have sort of an access to white areas right. that other critics don't have. It's rare that you'll see a critic like my friend and colleague Kelly Carter Mm -hmm. who works at the undefeated now, but she has a long history of working in the media. And even then she and I have had conversations where it's, studios or places you would work would send her the invites for the black films. And only the, but black, only films. the black films. only the black Yes. It's like my inbox is always blowing up mm-hmm. when something with Biggie and Tupac is right. happening.
5: Oh, my God. Or the latest Tyler Perry movie. Right. right? They're like, we got to get the black people in the room for this one right here, okay? Um, I have thoughts about Phantom Thread. I loved it. It
1: was could, cute. Yeah. Could it was have, cute. I, I personally loved it. They could have had my quote on the post. <laughs> because I, I keep going on about that movie. Um, but I, where ultimately do we start doing something about this? You know, is this a thing where news guilds is something that is going to help us? Mm-hmm. And is it something where the black people in news guilds at these legacy places need to start having the conversation, hey, it's great that we're getting the pay and the vacation time and the stuff that we want. But now let's start talking about equal representation and the access that people of color in this guild don't get.
5: Yeah. I mean, I think that's important. I think, you know, I have to give a small plug for NABJ, National Association of Black Journalists I'm the uh, Los Angeles chapter president. One of the things we're having conversations about is how we can be of more support to the freelancers, to the people who aren't at these big media organizations and who don't have the immense access so that we can ensure and use our sources and our resources and support to say, hey, we know, we already know that more people need to be at the table, need to be in the rooms, need to mm-hmm. have access to this, but be, having more tangible things that we can do. So whether that's, you know, me, I always try to do when I'm having conversations with studio publicists, I always try to send them a couple other black folks or brown folks or queer folks that I think they need to send an invite to. Mm-hmm. That's something I personally do. And I think on an organizational level, the news guilds, the black journal associations, the other journalists serving organizations, there's more we can do and show sure be doing around this conversation, and tell
1: people who might be aspiring journalists, freelance journalists, how they can get involved in NABJ. Yes,
5: yeah, so NABJ it's we are an advocacy organization for Black journalists and for emerging journalists, and we support college students with scholarships and all of that. You can find more information on our website at NABJ hyphen la.org um, or follow us on Twitter at NABJLA Official. We have a meeting every third Saturday of the month and we just want to be here to support people in terms of doing the type of work that they want to do.
1: Yes, you know, and look it up. There's also the exact same organizations for um, Latino, Hispanic yes. National and Hispanic, Asian journalists uh, as well.
5: National Hispanic Journalist Association, the Asian American Journalists Association, the National Lesbian and Gay Journalists Association. There's one for whatever identity you may have as well as online news association for digital journalists there's visual journalist organization there's something out there for everyone find these organizations and use their resources to get you to the place you want to be
1: well thank you so much for joining me travel not a problem thank you darling i want to thank kara lewis and travel anderson from the la times for joining me today that's
2: been keep it we'll see you next week this is somebody who has sung lyrics, them chickens jock in my style. <laughs> we just thought, of course. <laughs> Duh, Fergie, you can do that.
4: <laughs> the living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories.